Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the Mummy Movie Podcast, where in this episode we shall be looking at Plan 9 from Outer Space from 1959. This film doesn't actually have anything to do with Egypt, it's just a film I wanted to do the episode on. I actually have a guest for this episode, so I will not be a lonely, lonely man. So my guest is Ollie Reason, and the main reason I picked him is because he literally knows nothing about this film yeah i know literally nothing about this whatsoever um so pete kind of dragged me onto this to provide a second voice onto something that is meant to be one of the worst things ever invented by a human being yeah the moniker so bad that it's good is usually applied for this film oh yes okay so layout wise unsurprisingly we're not going to have a historical accuracy section because there's no point oh that's a shame i'm pretty sure there would be some accuracies in there (laughs) (laughs) Um, so essentially this is just going to be like a review slash discussion on the film. Yeah. So, right, let's get started. You are a pilot. One day you are flying through the sky when there is a flash of light outside the window. You see a flying saucer. When you land, you are sworn to secrecy by the US government. But little do you know that you will be experiencing these saucers again as they raise the dead from the local graveyard and enact Plan 9 from outer space. It, that literally, so that's the opening line of the film, isn't it? Yeah. And after watching it, he basically described the entire plot of the film in the first, like, one minute. Pretty much, and then you just watch it through. And then, yeah, you basically watch that whole sentence as a film. Yeah, <laughs> while he, he narrates every single point after you've just seen it. Yeah, uh, you know, like, at the, at the beginning of the, the film, where you... They have the graveyard. Yeah. And then they leave the graveyard and he goes, the mourners left the graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, he's like a narrator on like a, a children's book, mm-hmm. isn't he? Like everything has to be described in specific detail. Do, do, do you know what's... Which we will follow. Do you know what's quite good about him though? There's quite a few good facts about him. He's a man named Criswell. Criswell, okay. And basically, he wrote all of his lines for this film because he said all of Edward's lines were boring. Okay, <laughs> Um, but he was actually he was he was actually a psychic in real life who was famed for getting all of his predictions wrong. Well, brilliant. <laughs> so, okay. So, well, first of all, this is a really well. This is a prediction. A prediction that he technically gets right. Okay. Yeah. He claimed that he didn't speak until the age of four, and then on one stormy afternoon, he made his first prediction. Do you want to guess what it is? Um, that he spoke. No pretty close the rain will stop my goodness <laughs> i tell you what this man is an enigma i know but where, how are we functioning society about people <laughs> needing us forward later on when his career was very much on the on the go he claimed that 
Colorado would be hit from rays from outer space that would cause metal to be as rubber and cause terrible accidents in amusement parks. <laughs> that seems oddly specific. Well, specific to amusement parks. I mean, if it did happen, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, of course, because all, uh, all psychics have to have an end-of-the-world one, because you're not a psychic if you don't, surely. Um, he predicted that the world would end in 1999 and believed there would be mass cannibalism. So, yeah, fingers crossed that doesn't happen. I mean, I think this cross, oh my goodness, that's coming around any minute now. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, it's kind of looking back, I can at least tell my children, guys, I survived the cannibal apocalypse of 1999. Yeah. <laughs> Another interesting fact about him is he used to sleep in a coffin. Just throw that in. Tell you what, he's the perfect casting for this movie. Yeah. Considering the other people that star in this, he genuinely is like the absolute perfect person to front it. And additionally as well, um, I'm pretty sure... Everything he says after that initial sentence makes absolutely no sense in any shape or form. You mean like, Greetings, my friend. We are all interested in the future, for that is where we shall spend the rest of our lives. Absolutely wonderful. <laughs> uh, genuinely amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know, it should be a poet. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so the first proper scene of this film, we see a funeral uh, with a group of mourners around the, the, the grave. Yep. And... We see an actor who's called Bella Lugosi, who was actually the original Dracula from 1932, I believe it is. Uh, and the idea is his wife has just died. Mm-hmm. So throughout this, you you have uh, Criswell's monologue going on over the top of it, which is completely not needed. Absolutely. And then immediately after that scene, we see Bella Lugosi standing in supposedly his garden it was actually the garden of Tor johnson who's one of the other actors in the film oh is he the the swedish guy? yeah uh did you know that uh Tor johnson was originally a uh a professional wrestler oh that's so, okay that doesn't surprise so he started a grand tradition of amazing professional wrestler actors so he he is the forebearer to people like the rock he is saturable yes yes absolutely he's the inspiration for him and dave bautista and john cena without one yeah without him we do not have the scorpion king yeah Uh, (laughs) yeah that's you know the if you didn't we did have the scorpion king you would never current podcast would you do you know what one thing i liked about him right his ring name was the super swedish angel yes do you know why he was called that no because someone else was called the Swedish Angel. <laughs> he just added super odds. And it's, it's like Super Mario Bros. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, so we see Bela Lugosi, uh, the original Dracula, standing outside his house after the death of his wife. And then we have Criswell loudly narrating over the top of this, what's supposed to be quite a, a sad scene. Very moving and tragic scene. Yeah. Yeah. And he smells a flower. <laughs> yeah. And then he walks off set... <laughs> And immediately screams and dies. Yeah, like literally, you can see the edge of his cape mm-hmm. before the car hits him. <laughs> like just the way the direction that he is walking, he is still very much on his front garden. Mm. He leaves the he leaves the scene and screams his heart out. It's like he's trodden on a small stone. Something. Do you want to know how little effort Edward actually put into Bella Lugosi's character? Uh, uh, yeah, please, please do. In the script, yeah. He's simply called the Dracula Man. That's his name. <laughs> Once again, makes absolutely perfect sense. Yeah, but um, interestingly, so Bela Lugosi filmed two scenes for this film. Yeah, I've probably noticed them. I feel because they they get shown about what five times, five so six times. Uh, there's one particular scene that I noted down as occurring five times throughout the film, which is where. He walks out of the woods in proper Dracula fashion. Yeah. Looks towards the camera and then pulls his arm up <laughs> over his face and then storms away back into the woods again. Yeah. So the reason there's only two scenes of him is because he actually died after filming them, which is sad, admittedly. Yeah, admittedly, yeah. But do you know the great thing? The person they got to replace him. Okay. Was a guy called Tom Mason. Okay. Who was his wife's chiropractor? <laughs> he just got a chiropractor. He was a bit strapped for time by the sounds of it. And so he just grabbed a, grabbed a chiropractor and gave him a cake. Pretty much, yeah. And I tell you what, I couldn't see the difference whatsoever. Yeah. See, such an effective actor, he turned into Bogosi. Well, 
he clearly wasn't a much younger person who was just raising his cape <laughs> up above his his face. I don't know why. Why did he just recast the role? Is that solely because of needing the star? Power? He wanted the star power. Just yeah. the star power. Yeah, the two major stars in this one were Bella Lugosi yeah. and Vampira. She was yeah. the the very skinny lady, incredibly skinny lady who literally did nothing throughout the entire, throughout entire film. film. So the two star power characters are essentially there for that one. Yeah, purpose, yeah. Serve nothing to the story whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. In one thing, I will say in Vampira's defence. And Tor Johnson's, I did think they looked creepy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Tor Johnson, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. But do you know the great thing about Vampira? No, are you going to tell me? I, I obviously am. I'm obviously yeah. are. Um, so she used to just get up into the makeup at home and then take the bus into set. <laughs> <laughs> that would be such a, an amazing sight yeah. to see going into... I imagine your morning commute and you, you're sitting next to Vampira on the bus, like completely dressed up like that. I think you'd be questioning your reality at that point. And why I have to just go back home for a rest. Yeah, uh, but basically the whole thing was she gets dressed up, she goes in, she walks slowly. Yeah, and then goes home. She walks around in front of us. What a fantastic, what a fantastic acting job. <laughs> okay, so next scene, I film. So we've had him smelling the rose yeah. and walking off. We then go to the cockpit oh, of yeah. a plane. Yeah. <laughs> Where we have our hero, Jeff Trent. Oh, Jeff. Who is played by Gregory Walcott. He's one of the pilots, and then there's another guy over there who we won't name. Yeah. The thing I found out about this while I was researching it. Yeah, go You know how bad the cockpit looks? So the cockpit was, was the most minimalist cockpit ever. I don't know what year they're living in, but there's literally... They don't even need to fly the plane. It's almost like just perfectly autopilot, so they just sit in, sit in chairs. Yeah, yeah. Like dead chairs in the middle of a small room. But, you know, they have the, the shower curtain at the back, the yeah. very obvious shower curtain. Mm -hmm. Something I didn't realise is in the spaceship later on in the film, they have the same shower well, curtain. Why is that the same shower And they, they did that to cut costs. So, <laughs> well, I, I'm sure, like, even in 1950s, a shower curtain can't have cost yeah. that much. What were, they, what were they removing? Like, I don't know what the prices in America were at the time, but if it was equivalent to here, that was that like a pound? Shocking. The inflation rate on, on shower curtains was just ridiculous. Well, I know, things, yeah, <laughs> there's things going up, the cost, of, like, gold's going up, diamonds, shower curtains. Yeah. How do they cope in a I, world? I don't know. It's, it's, we've got it lucky, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then what we see, um, after some stilted conversation and flirting with the uh, stewardess, I mm -hmm. believe it was, you see a flash of light. Yeah. And then they look out of the window, and there's a flying saucer. Oh, my God. It was so scary. Yeah, which originally I thought was a, um, a, a hubcap for a car. And was it a hubcap for a car? Actually, a car, well, I don't know, because I'm only getting this from IMDb. <laughs> But apparently it was actually a toy UFO. Obvious. So, you know, it's way better than that. Yeah, that's true. At least it's slightly authentic, but clearly they're trying to cut the costs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, so that's sort of, uh, unless you've got anything else you want to say about that scene. Well, I just think that it, the, the way that they just kind of sit in the chairs with, like, their hands on their knees is just absolutely amazing. It's like, they just going, right, just sit here and we've got your lines in front of you. Please just read them off the board and we'll carry on with filming. It was, you know, I generally was kind of sitting there with my mouth for gate yeah. watching it. It was just an amazingly cheap set piece. Do you know the, the great thing about Gregory Walcott, the, the main character? He said that the script was the worst script he'd ever read. <laughs> so presumably he then just went ahead with it anyway. Well, why not? And it's a fat page. <laughs> the great thing is that his last ever film role was actually in uh, the biography of this film done by Tim Burton. Right. So he just sort of never escaped this film, oh, really. Yeah, it became like his legacy. Yeah. I, yeah. I swear that like terrible movies, well, a terribly good movies like this one, uh, or goodly terrible, whatever the terminology is. So bad, that's good. Yeah, that's <laughs> the one. And it just seemed to kind of hang... People just are connected to them just permanently for the rest of their lives. Yeah. yeah. For instance. Mm. Yeah, it's a room, yeah. Once you start in a film with that much cultural significance, <laughs> you can never leave it. One, one of the things I, I quite like is um, the makeup artist for this film yeah. actually refused to have his name associated with it. He doesn't appear in the credits. The makeup. <laughs> yeah, and all of all of like the um, the the credit goes to his assistant. <laughs> so there were people actively trying to get their name taken yeah. off of this film. Wow. Okay, that's uh, that's a new level. I mean, it's pretty amazing. One thing we did notice when watching through, I feel, was uh, the amount of people when they were leaving the scene 
who were like who actively you could see rolling their eyes before they left set (laughs) they clearly had enough that day when they were leaving the set it was like the the uh the the woman sort of alien Whereas you see her when she leaves and she goes, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's one of the most fed up actresses. Yeah, ever seen, yeah. She? she knew this wasn't high art. No. <laughs> well, not at all. She's like, oh, thank God, I've, I've got my paycheck for the day. I can go home. Yeah. Oh. I feel the next scene that might be worth talking about is they go through the aliens going around the world and you see newspaper reels and oh, things like yes. that. And then they, you have the US government going, right, we need to cover this up. <laughs> Even though everyone's seen it. Yeah. And then you see basically what is stock footage of people shooting up and then, well, <laughs> flying saucers with things bouncing off of them. Yep. Which yeah. goes on far, far longer than it really needs to. Yeah. And I love the contrast between the clear stock footage that he's taken from probably like well, two like or something and then has the general just standing <laughs> on a blank bang job going, Oh, oh wow! <laughs> we don't seem to be doing anything to these flying saucers. No. <laughs> and then what? Like, was it? Like, the guy comes up, going, yeah. "This was just a training exercise." Yeah. <laughs> he comes over with the radios, like, "Yeah." I say, "Yeah, I don't believe in flying saucers. This is just a training exercise." Despite the fact that they've literally launched yeah. half of the U.S. arsenal of rockets. Up it's them. like literally 1950s as well. How is he expecting these weird things to be hovering yeah. in the sky? <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's not real. But no, no, of course not. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. So the next scene that I feel is probably worth talking about is when we, when the film first introduces Detective Clay. Oh, I love him, Detective Clay. Yes. So yeah, played by the person we mentioned earlier, yeah. Tor, Johnson, Tor Johnson, the uh, super Swedish angel, the professional wrestler. Yeah. And well, his dialogue and his acting is interesting yeah interesting is the word for it yeah yeah i think my favorite part is when um oh i can't remember the name the, the other detective yeah says uh make sure you got your flashlight and he just goes now now i'm a big boy johnny i know oh, it's johnny i'm a big boy johnny <laughs> oh that was um yeah that was fantastic yeah <laughs> and then well it's, it's the fact that he's clearly the way that he's kind of saying the lines, he's clearly reading them off something. But obviously, yeah, yeah, you know, obviously he's just getting the pronunciation wrong because he's reading just, just off screen. You can see, but only yeah. Edward standing. Yeah, he's probably there. Yeah, you can, yeah. It's a surprise you don't actually just see him like poking out the side of the screen or something, yes. holding the lights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then we have this uh, this scene where he walks through the mist into the graveyard. Yeah. He's got his gun out, and then we see. Bella Lugosi on one side, Vampira on the other, as they slowly get close to him. Very, very slowly. (laughs) No man in history has been given more time to react to a situation than he has then. And what does he do? What does he choose to do? He stands there and shoots one way and shoots the other. When that doesn't work, he comes up with this ingenious plan, right? Yeah. He shoots that way and he shoots shoots that way. way. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, he stands. In his blind panic. He shoots all the bullets in his revolver yeah. and stops moving. Yes. I think it's, <laughs> you know, I quite like, I like the fact that here you have Bella Lugosi coming out of his crypt. Yeah. When his wife's just buried in a grave to the side. Oh, yeah. That's that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And that crypt just looks like a garden shed. Yeah. Up. What was it like earlier on in the film where they have his funeral and the woman comes out and goes, why was he buried in a crypt? Oh, yeah. And then his wife wasn't. And the guy just goes, family tradition. <laughs> Perfect, yeah, perfect <laughs> storytelling there. Yeah, <laughs> and what a great way to kind of just write that in. Yeah, yeah, this is why we've decided to use this for the guy rather than <laughs> yeah. But then when he dies, we immediately have the scene where the other detective and a few other policemen go into the cemetery yeah. and they find his body. And Johnson, the other detective, he's constantly like adjusting his hat and scratching yeah. himself with the barrel he, of his gun. He, come, he comes in all the low of his pistol after hearing the, the death of his like colleague and friend and immediately sees him and goes it basically the the equivalent of a bother. That's yeah. a shame. Isn't well, it? It's a real shame. And then as you just said proceeds to scratch every itch on his body with the barrel of his, of his gun. Uh, do you know the great thing though um, about Johnson? Mm-hmm. You know, he's scratching himself. Yeah. He was doing that deliberately to see if Ed Wood would actually spot it. <laughs> and Ed Wood just never did. Oh, my God, really? Yeah. He clearly, yeah, he, he just didn't even occur to him what he was doing was the, not a good idea, essentially. Yeah. So so he was doing that to basically, to what? Just 
wind up the director or was he actually had an ulterior um, to it i think he was just vaguely aware that this film was pretty bad and yeah. he just wanted to see if they would spot it <laughs> having fun on set let's call it yeah it's like uh, it's, that is basically borderline a spoof movie and if anything because he's deliberately done that in order to kind of you know see if the directors would catch it yeah it feels like a spoof where he's just there like scratching every part of his body with the, with the revolver basically you could just tell that no one in this film thought it was good no <laughs> they all knew they were destroying their careers is he destroying the careers or getting the, the worst non-start of a career ever yeah yeah <laughs> okay so uh shall we move on to the spaceship next or did you want to talk about any other scenes oh no we can go on to the spaceship next okay the, the, yeah the spaceship is another mar- masterful piece of cinema so of course you get the uh the toy flying saucers landing in the bigger flying saucer that looks suspiciously like a, a big nipple yeah big uh, yep yeah, yep yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah so yeah, well, um, I once again, you can see the the wonderful uh, budget that they had. Yeah. Uh, and as you said, is was this the scene where they reused the curtain? All of the scenes in the spaceship, yeah. All just the yes, curtain. this one, yeah, 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 all the same curtain. You know, and uh, I, I love the fact that they kind of come on to explain, you know, that they've gone to see the Earthlings and then they go to explain their plan, which is Plan 9, which I'm still, after watching it and kind of going over it a few times in my head, I still don't understand how that was the plan that they came to in their situation look look it's perfectly simple ollie okay yes right they want to raise free members of the dead yep to take over the world extraordinary yeah yeah well it's, it, i could imagine that if this ever had any kind of budget the equivalent of an avatar movie to there they might have had a bit more than just free people well it is often actually a case with edward where he he often had bigger plans and he had the budget for <laughs> see his ambition was was truly spectacular yeah he was but unfortunately the powers that be prevented him from truly reaching those aspirations yeah. he, he was he was an interesting guy actually like this is going to come a little bit out of nowhere i feel but like so go ahead right he uh, served in world war Two, as many did but he was more scared of being caught like of getting injured than killed Okay. Because throughout World War Two, he was wearing a bra and panties, a very pink pair. Okay. Uh, because he was actually a cross-dresser. <laughs> and actually, um, he made another... Well, he got another film financed that he made. Yeah. Which was basically him walking around in a dress for the entire film with Bella Lugosi uh, narrating. <laughs> and so Bella Lugosi's collaborated with him before then. Oh, many, oh, many wow. times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think Glenn and Glenda... Glenn or Glenda was the name of the film, by the way. Yeah. And... Weirdly, it's actually considered to be one of the first films that's like pro sort of like cross-dressing. Interesting. So in a way, you know, like at least he had good well, intentions. Yeah, he was. Well, he guess, you know, he sort of pi- uh, pioneered, you know, a specific aspect of society that's yeah, pretty okay. big. Um, it's just, as you said, his aspirations were far beyond his actual ability. I, I actually tried to watch Glenn or Glenda once, but I watched it in a way you're not really supposed to on my own. <laughs> and I didn't get 20 minutes in. I had to stop. Yeah. But the, the great well, thing about it is um, Bella Lugosi, he's narrating it. He says nothing. <laughs> like, literally, his narration is pointless. Okay. Yeah. So, in every, what, the way that he narrates things is just totally... No, his the lines he's given to read have nothing to do with anything. It's just him mumbling, basically, <laughs> for an hour and a half. So they could have given him, like, the McDonald's menu to read off, and it would have the same... In- <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh yes right then we move on to our hero jeff trent he's sitting wistfully in a chair with his wife right there and well she seems concerned about him because he's not with it you know yeah he's clearly very distressed about what he's seen Mm. and she goes journey of his and she goes what's wrong and he goes i saw a saucer and she goes a saucer you mean from like up there yeah and he uh, basically starts talking about how he landed and was sworn to secrecy by the U.S. government. U.S. government came. I wish I could tell someone about it, but I've been sworn to secrecy. Yeah, pretty much. Well, I'm going to spill the beans anyway. Yeah, yeah. And then as they're talking, sort of, and then he starts talking about the graveyard and how there's something going on over there. And then, sort of, almost to prove his point about the aliens, we just sort of see one. Yep. Fly over. Yeah. And like blast them flying off of their chest yeah. onto the ground, which is such a wonderfully done scene because it's very clearly they've just gone, 
Oh, well, oh no! I love the way the the wife falls over while looking bored. Oh, okay. yeah, <laughs> it's the most uh, most bored, uneventful fall ever. And then when she lands on the floor, she's like knocked out from what is essentially someone just sitting down from a chair. Yeah, on yeah. the ground. And then basically, uh, we cut forward a little bit, and he's he's sort of saying how he wants her to stay in the house because he's got to go back yeah. to uh, go back on the plane. And I love the fact that they just had a very blatant interaction with a UFO and he's totally fine oh, yeah. to go and do his plane. normal plane job. And it's like, yes, wifey, don't worry about the graveyard. Yeah. He's obviously got something going on. Mm. Um, and the UFOs that have been flying around, I'm going to go do my job now. Yes. I'm going to leave you in the home all by yourself. But make sure you lock the door. And I'll be back on Thursday, but don't leave. Don't leave Don't yet. leave, okay? I'm not going until you lock yourself inside. Yeah. She says, oh, okay. You're not allowed to... Uh, not going to see you until Thursday. So they'll have the fact that she's going to be stuck in that house. Yeah. Like, yeah. What, like three days, I think it is. She's not allowed to leave. Yeah. And then, well... We skip to the, well, one of the two scenes we see of Bella Lugosi quite a lot, him running through the graveyard. Yeah. Was it five times, did you say? Yeah, this is a, one of the five times that he appears where he comes out of the woodland area, but uh, I think on this time he doesn't like to run back into the woods. No. He stops just short of that, and then it cuts to the scene of, as you called it, the chiropractor Dracula. Yes, yes. Like, coming up to the house, cowl over his face. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, the thing I quite like about uh, Bella Lugosi's scene when he's running through the graveyard is he looks like he's smiling a little bit. Yeah. He looks quite yeah. happy. <laughs> he's clearly having a really good time. Yeah. The great thing about that scene is Edward actually had no... He didn't know what he was going to use the scene for. He just filmed some scenes. <laughs> so all the scenes of him, he didn't know what he was going to use. He's for. literally created a stock footage. Yeah, he literally, yeah. Yeah, he's just created stock yeah. footage. <laughs> but, yeah, so then... Um, he walks slowly towards the uh, the bed with his little cloak or towel over his yeah, face. The Dracula cloak. Yep. Yeah. And she just gets up, stares at him, and then runs around and out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the super effective zombie that he is. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, like, um, so you know things are going, you know there's aliens around. Yeah. There's all really being expressed, a suspicion of the graveyard. So where do you think she ran to? Oh, I, I think, she, I reckon she ran to the police station. No. She ran to her neighbours or she... She went to defend herself or lock herself somewhere safe. That's no, what I think she did. No, I think she ran through the graveyard, Oliver. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's, she's like, that's the last place. Exactly. Yeah. Going. Yeah. Until she runs into the other two that are also in the graveyard. Yeah. Well, as Bella Lugosi get into and Vampira, and they're just kind of somehow always behind her, despite walking really slowly. Yeah, despite walking very, very slowly. Like it's, it's like she takes, she does her run, and then has to take a breather for a mm. bit. And then we give some time to catch up, and then she goes, "Oh, they're here now." Yeah, carry on running. Yeah, and then she arrives at the, su- the side of the road, and because this is a 1950s film, mm-hmm. what do you think she does? Oh, does she do um, what every woman does? Is that when they experience as uh, moments of stress? Oh, she's so emotional, and oh, raises her hand up here and falls backwards. But what, what I think was so amazing about those scenes in particular <laughs> is the fact that you've obviously got the cut between her on the side of the road being rescued, mm. and then the graveyard. Yeah. And what's very obvious about that is that they're different, completely separate times of the day, aren't they? <laughs> which yeah. is absolutely pretty. Like the graveyard shift is clearly filmed at night or inside of a shift. Yeah, yeah. I don't know which one. And this is very clearly filmed on the side of a road, probably like one in the afternoon. Mm. <laughs> and, and even though it's in black and white, that is so obvious that and they're shifting between the two. And then it cuts to Tor Johnson on one side, Vampire on the other. Yeah. But the thing is, I don't feel there was actually any stock footage here. It was just filmed at different times of the day yeah. it was quite an easy yeah. thing to get around and it's very very clearly they you know there's not stock footage used they've they've filmed it and they've had put no thought into the no. fact that the time of day needs to be taken into account of these things <laughs> and i mean you know i don't watch many black and white movies so maybe they just thought oh it's not going to show up in black and maybe white. maybe but weirdly uh the sky white the sky black you yeah. can sort of tell the difference <laughs> Right, we then go to a scene where we have Colonel Edwards, the person we saw earlier trying to blow up the UFOs. Yeah. And he's just meeting with his captain. And the captain basically says, so what do you know about UFOs? Yeah. And Colonel Edwards goes, may I speak freely, Captain? (laughs) And the captain essentially says that he will be court-martialed if he admits that he believes in UFOs. You see, he says that, um, I I believe... I believe what I saw was real, that I saw UFOs. And he says, you know, the official line of the government is that UFOs aren't real. He says, well, Sarah, what I saw was definitely real. 
you know you'll be court-martialed, Colonel, if you don't change your mind. And he essentially, regardless of the dialogue, what he essentially says is that, well, I'm not changing my mind. Yeah. And the general just goes, well, okay then. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically the gist of that conversation. And then from that point forward, what he's one of the main characters of the yeah, film. It's like the, it's like the general just went, okay, this guy clearly isn't going to change his mind. You know what? He's the guy for us because he's so like dogmatic. Yes, yes. He's too stubborn to be court-martialed. Yeah. So they give him they give him the mission of going to the town where the UFOs have been taking like been landing mm. to work out what's going on in the graveyard. A single uh, one soldier has to go to this cemetery in a random town in the United States to work out what's going on. Yeah. The US Army is sending one soldier to work out what a potential alien invasion is doing. Well, c- considering, yeah, like, the, the the fate of the world hangs on this, neither the aliens nor the humans seem to care that much. No, it's kind of no. no, yeah. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. After this scene, we go to back. We go back to the main spaceship. The spaceship. Yeah, where we have the shower curtain. And basically, they lay out their plan, and they so they say that basically, the fate of the universe is the fate of the universe is at stake. Therefore, your plan must succeed in in, take, in defeating the humanity and taking over planet Earth. And then, in all of their logic of of understanding this, the seriousness of the situation, they go, "Oh, by the way, we're only giving you one ship. Yeah, you've got more important things to deal with here. <laughs> you know, the fate, the fate of uh, existence is at stake. But uh, you can use one ship; it's fine. You know, yes, absolutely. You guys could do it. I, I love you. Yeah, I love the part in this uh, in this one where they have the mini ray gun things and they lead toward John, you know, uh, Detective Clay onto the scene. Yeah, and then he starts trying to strangle the man because, yeah. of course, the silly woman can't just take down very silly. Um, yeah, so that's that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's very fun. <laughs> it's a great demonstration of why their plan is not going to work. Yeah, yeah, and they continue with it anyway. So, right, we now know that the fate of the universe is in their hands, which, I mean, even if they're an alien species, that must be their main priority. Oh, yeah. So they've got one ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've had two taken away. Yeah, they only need one. They're, they're that good. You now go back to Earth and yep. um, play with your free dead bodies. Yeah. Yeah, Don't essentially. Be, but dead bodies. But um, the main point of this scene, I feel, outside of that, was that they need to sacrifice the old man. Well, so they, they this scene's kind of set the stakes yes. for them. Yes. Why, you know, this is why they are doing it. Yeah, and they'd realise that in order to make humanity realise the true the true power that they hold, mm. what they're going to do is, is send the old um, chiropractor Dracula, yeah, to go into one of their homes of the random the random dude who happened to have seen them a couple of times, mm. and die. Yes, <laughs> send Bella Lugosius as it yeah. were. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, we then go back. Down to Earth, yeah, and we have Colonel Ed- Edwards, Colonel Edwards yeah, up at the and now. he's uh, with Jeff, yeah, Jeff Trent and his wife, yeah, and they're sort of all talking. When suddenly, Bella Lugosius starts approaching like this. Yeah, I say like this, you can't see. Raising his, uh, yeah, raising his, uh, his cape. <laughs> he's got his got his cowl over his face. Yeah, true vampire that he is. And we have, well, we have that one. Um, we, there's one particular police officer. Who looks like Detective Boyle from yeah. Nine Nine? Yes, yes. <laughs> and he's, he's an ageless actor. That man. He's kind of like. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say Detective Boyle's useless because he's not. But this 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 policeman definitely is. He might be the most hopeless policeman ever put to screen. He, he's yes, yeah, useless in every way. But yeah, so basically, what he just slowly backs away, shooting him, and then, well, what's it like? He, he essentially just kind of he kind of like 
pats him on the shoulder, <laughs> and he falls down. And Karata drops in, and he just falls to the floor. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, and then he's obviously his next step then is to fall to the floor himself mm. and turn into a skeleton. Yes, yeah, because a ray's gone through to uh, yeah, ray's <laughs> gone through him and turned him into a skeleton. And I love the fact that I, I think they basically just go, well. Where did he go? Yeah, it wasn't like that before. <laughs> well, you literally just saw it happen in front of you. So the aliens do this to show their power and to show, like, you know, what they want. Yeah. I mean, does that do that in any way? <laughs> no, all it's essentially done is to someone's fallen over and died yeah. out of uh, the humans. If anything, to the humans, it's raised more questions. I guess. Yeah, that's essentially what it does to them, doesn't it? <laughs> like, but I just love the logic that an alien civilization decided the best way they can intimidate humans is to kill one of their own dudes in front of them. Yes, yes. Makes perfect sense. Right. We then go to the scene where basically they find the spaceship so this is quite a, a long-ish scene yeah and it starts at the the police car mm-hmm. where you have trent uh sorry um jeff jeff trent we've got our jeff trent edwards got colonel yeah colonel edwards um got mrs trent mrs trent who i should know the name of. yeah and the one uh and what one police officer yeah the detective boyle yeah, yeah. So we've got Detective Doyle and one extra police officer. And this is the, the five people who are there to save humanity. But then they go, right, uh, your wife needs to stay here. And she goes, I'm not staying here. I'm coming with you. Uh, and then they, <laughs> and they essentially go, no, no, you're not just staying with the car. Okay, I'll stay with the car. Yeah. <laughs> and they used the line, modern woman. Oh, modern <laughs> So we're going to say she stays with Boyle Cop. Yeah. And uh, who is a, uh, obviously her protection, whilst the other other three go off to try and find the alien spaceship. Yeah, yeah. So they obviously have gone off, haven't they? Yeah. And, um, well, essentially they see this big glowing yeah. thing in the sky, which is the... Because the aliens want them to come towards them. They want to be discovered at this point. Yeah, they're trying to announce themselves to the world. And when they arrive, he kind of, like, wraps his gun on the metal and he goes... Doing, doing, and he goes, that's like no metal I've ever heard before. Yeah, because it's a shed. Pretty, pretty much <laughs> basically yeah. it's a shed it's not metal yeah <laughs> right then we go back to the car where we see Boyle outside the car smoking a cigarette yeah. and the wife is in the car asleep and then we see Detective Clay slowly approaching the car Boyle's got his back to him so he can't see yeah Boyle turns around at the last second and essentially Detective Clay does he, he hits him yeah. with both shoulders and he just falls over I, I, love, I love the fact that he obviously turns around to see him and makes no response and it's only as the arms start to come yeah. down to pat him on the shoulder he goes <laughs> ah yeah there's always falls to the ground there's always that slight delay of you could just get away yeah and there, it, it wasn't needless to the scene in every situation where there's adversity they could get away at any moment yeah but yeah. choose not to they literally just stand there going I don't know what to do. Everything is so scary. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so Detective Clay then picks up the woman and starts taking her back to the spaceship. No, because, uh, yeah, because she, when she suddenly sees what's happened, she sees the horror. Oh, she does. Right. Yes, she does faint again. Yeah. Yes, because as a woman of the 50s, this is what all women do. (laughs) Yes, yes. Oh, no. Adversity. I must faint. (laughs) Right, and then we go back to the spaceship where the door opens for them. Yes. Um, but yeah, so they walk into the shed, or the alien spaceship as it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And that's when the aliens and the humans meet for the first time. Really. First time. First, mm-hmm. The first interaction between an extraterrestrial man, you know, one small step for man. And one. shoot the alien in the face. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if only. Yes, yeah. Made the film shorter. That made probably more logical sense. Yes, yes. <laughs> So basically, in this scene, you have the three humans come into the spaceship and they point their guns at the two aliens. Yes, Eros and the other one that I don't know the name. I don't know if she's ever given a name, to be honest. Call her Alien 2. Alien 2. Yes. Female alien. alien. Unnamed female alien. (laughs) (laughs) Who just happens to be one of the main aliens. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And basically, this is a scene where you find out exactly why the aliens are trying to stop humanity and yes. destroy humanity. Mm-hmm. So, basically, they talk about the evolution of sort of like human technology and how 
We started off with a firecracker. Humans invented the firecracker. Yes. Yeah. And then they invented the hand grenade. The hand grenade. Which could kill several people. And then the bomb. And then the bomb. And, and then a bigger bomb. You could just, you could hurt many people all at once. <laughs> and then the atom bomb. Invented, Split the atom. Yeah. And then the hydrogen bomb, which the very air would explode itself. <laughs> There is only one place left. There is go. only one bomb left. The solar and was it the solar and ice? Solar and ice. It's a hard word to say. Yeah. Um, it's such like because obviously that's not mentioned at all any other time. No, it feels like so it feels like they filmed up to that point and gone. Well, what are we going to call this? Yeah, we have to come up with something to make it sound like an a, a yeah yeah well. And gone. I don't know. Um, stars blowing up. So only yeah. So, only so basically, the idea is that. We're going to split the actual sunlight or the particles of sunlight. That's because no, he he goes on to explain as to why he, he explains he, several times. Yeah, so <laughs> he goes on to explain why this is why they're trying to do what they're doing. Uh, you know, to try and like stop humanity from developing this bomb that's going to destroy the universe. And then the the guys proceed to do what is basically a Zoolander moment, <laughs> where they go, yeah. but but why why are you doing this? Where he proceeds to explain it a second time, where he starts talking about rays of light. Yeah. And how if you detonate it, it'll go up the ray of light and go around the sun. Mm. And the sun will explode. And the whole universe yeah, will explode from there. The thing this film doesn't quite get, I feel, is that there is more than one sun in the universe. Yeah. You might destroy a galaxy, potentially, maybe, <laughs> but not a universe. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the, it's the last bomb any yes. could ever make the solar night. And you, with your stupid minds, oh, yeah. use it. <laughs> you, with your stupid luck, because yeah, because one of the one of the men here is in the room goes, but we'll be a more powerful nation than ever. You see, it's your stupid minds, <laughs> stupid, stupid, stupid. And then uh, you have the great scene where we call her female alien yeah. jumps in to defend him and goes, "Look, he's right." You see, to the other alien, and then what does that? What does? Uh, She's essentially just going, you know, we're trying to save the universe. This has to be done in order for anyone to continue living in this world. And then in her attempts to defend Eros, who's yeah. clearly her superior, her being very passionate-ish <laughs> about how yeah, they're trying to save the universe, he storms up to her and goes, that's enough! <laughs> that's just right. just like throws her to one side because... A woman can't speak <laughs> a woman out of line. Me. This is terrible. A woman can't speak for me. <laughs> and just pushes her to one side, which is brilliant. <laughs> yeah, not the fun. <laughs> um, so this is where, obviously, they're, they're trying to threaten the aliens, aren't they? So he needs to reveal his, his trump card yeah. at this point. So he says about how the other guests are going to be arriving shortly. <laughs> By which he means Mr. Pilot Man's wife yes, is yeah. soon to be here. And uh, in his rage and his anger, rather than shooting the alien, he shoots the control box next to him. For I was reason. merely going to turn on the televisor. <laughs> the televisor, yes, <laughs> the televisor. And yeah, so he turns on the, the televisor, which is a television. Yes. And we just see Detective Clay, so Tor Johnson, carrying Mrs. Trent yeah. um, towards the ship. Mm. And then he just kind of stops yeah. for ages. Just standing there, yeah. holding her. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, in, it's in this moment that, um, obviously, you know, what's our hero going to do now? They've got his wife captive. You know, what could, what could possibly happen now? And this is where the here, the true hero, yes, still yes. is, who is Officer Boyle. Yeah, yeah. He wakes up <laughs> by his coconut. Up. Yeah, <laughs> from his injuries from the car, being lightly brushed on the shoulders, <laughs> um, proceeds to go... Like storm it this way towards the uh, the, the wrestler. Yes, yeah, so yes. And then, uh, despite the fact having laid several bullets into him to try and stop him in the past, goes, "I know, I, I know, all will stop here. Yeah. A stick." Yeah, and so he goes up behind um, Detective Clay and just hits him with a small stick, and he he essentially collapses. <laughs> I'm guessing he was knocked out. Yeah, collapses to the floor in like. True, like a true pain and agony, and essentially this just leads to chaos because then a yeah. fight breaks out in the uh, in the ship. But do you know what I quite like about this scene? Mm -hmm. So, you know the uh, you've got Jeff Trent and the alien. They start fighting. Yeah, the alien is the one tearing up the ship. Yeah, and like Jeff Trent is obviously trying to fight the alien off, and in order to stop it, the alien is ripping parts of his ship 
off of the table <laughs> to try and hit him with it. Yeah, and yeah, then like smoke starts going up. Yeah, they start trying to set off on the ship. Yeah, because they're yeah, trying to set up. Uh, we're setting off on the ship because um, female alien. Yeah. Um, obviously, she runs to a control panel which is next to the door and starts to turn on the power of the ship to fly away and close the doors. So rather than go to stop her, despite the fact she's right there, <laughs> they go, this ship's about to take off. We need to get off here now, quickly. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, so they get off the ship. Uh, humanity wins, I guess. Yeah, because because yeah, then the ship kind of takes off, and because of all the damage that Eros has done to the ship... Um, it just explodes in the sky. And you see, what is it like? It's basically the ship going up, and it's always just got like a, a, a really candle-like flame coming off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very clearly, they've got one of the toys, and they yeah. they just put some petrol on it. So <laughs> yeah. Oh, That's a simple special effect. The thing I love about this, uh, we think <laughs> so. Humans are going to destroy the universe. So this is really a happy ending. No. And also, the aliens could just send down more ships. Yeah, because we've clearly seen that they've got more than one ship. Yeah. They've got, like, at least two other ones in there, plus the giant mothership. Yeah, uh, like, the aliens went, well, we sent one ship down. We tried. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a, like a proper, well, we tried moment. Yeah. And then humanity's, like, apparently, according to this film, going to go on to develop the Solar Night. Yes, yes. And uh, destroy the entire universe. So nothing really gets resolved in any way. Yeah. And then they they turn around and you see the skeleton of yeah. Tor Johnson just lying on the ground. Yeah, and Tor's ginormous skeleton. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, look! And then yeah. they just talk about how Vampira, another ghoul, is out there, probably looking very similar. Yeah, because they just go, wait, there's another ghoul lying about, and I, my bet is she looks a lot like him. Yeah. So, once again, this cements the fact that Vampira is literally there to serve no purpose whatsoever she's, to the film she does not even appear in the last scene yeah, at all she she's there for name value alone and actually one of her um conditions for being in the film was that she didn't have any dialogue whatsoever with yeah. is one that she stipulated yeah that was in her stipulation she couldn't have dialogue <laughs> oh my god that's brilliant <laughs> so she just flat out refused to talk yeah. at all during the film which is Fantastic. probably why it starts immediately at her funeral to yeah be fair. So she's just dead straight <laughs> yeah <away>. yeah <laughs> yeah and then um the screen fades and we go to Criswell as he does his closing monologue. Yep. And, well, he talks about how... Um, so you must swear, you know, you, these are, you must sense that you must have sworn to secrecy for did they really happen? So says, oh, God, I wish they never did happen. But yeah. oh, I have sat through and watched this film now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you never know if you're walking down a dark street... That person you pass, he may have been from outer space. He may have been from outer space. <laughs> yeah, and then it's like, God, uh, God help us. us. Yeah, it's the future. Yes. <laughs> and then the big, the end appears on the screen as the... The true 1950s style film. The very 1950s wavery music plays. <laughs> and there you have it. One of the greatest slash worst films ever made. Yeah. And, and Ollie, right, normally with these films, when they're at this level... I normally rate them both on a technical level and an entertainment value. Okay. So, I think, what do you think? In terms of actual, like, as a decent film, what would you say? Well, I assume it. Okay, so if you're doing it on a technical level, what's, what's rating scales do you normally I normally do 1 to 10. Do you normally do 1 to 10? I'd say this is a 0. So, I was, I'm just going to say, you need to create a new... I don't know if you can go into the minus numbers, well, because, I I mean, I've, I've watched films, and that is probably one of the worst movies ever created by human being yeah ever. yeah well when you have to uh cut costs by moving a shower cut i know like is, is, is that you know imagine the the amount of money they would have saved if they just <laughs> didn't film the film i know right and the amount oh. of sanity they would have saved humanity as well <laughs> <laughs> okay and on an entertainment value more importantly how much did you enjoy this film oh i thought i think it's one of those films that you you absolutely need to watch with a group oh absolutely yeah. Like you say, it's the room. It's oh, the, yeah. the room from the 50s. It's actually like, yeah, the room from the 50s. And it would take a ne another like 50, 60 years before a film of that caliber would come out again. Yes, yeah. the room. Yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah, a very, very funny film to watch just because of how atrocious it is. Mm. And I think that there's a, there's an appeal to have to these kind of films. Yeah, so, yeah. It's good show. Well, actually, interestingly, uh, this film was relatively un unknown for a very long time until 1980 when it was actually voted the worst film ever in the Turkey Awards book. Uh, 
<laughs> and it was only after that it started to get a bit of a cult following. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So why you, you definitely, yeah, I can imagine the cult following behind this film because I'd imagine like from that point, yeah, I, I would agree. It's probably one of the worst movies ever invented by man. It's spectacularly bad. It's, it's incredibly bad. It's one of those ones where you're not going to believe this, but we've missed out a lot. <laughs> to be honest and it's just because you wouldn't actually be able to fit it all in an episode i don't think no essentially like yeah, there's ba- there's not a single moment in any of the scenes that occur that doesn't have a problem with it no in some way like every every single scene every line of dialogue everything that happens in the film there's no real logic behind any of it whatsoever no yeah <laughs> is why it is so goddamn entertaining to watch and i do feel it's the kind of film that you could easily watch several times and still get enjoyment Oh yeah, it's it's very much um, it's it's sort of like an opposite Fight Club, where every time you watch Fight Club, you see something new, you're like oh wow, that's ingenious. Oh wow, they filmed it. I'm not going to say too much because um, there's a, I don't want to ruin parts of that film because it's amazing. But um, this is the opposite of that, where you just see another thing roll with it every time you watch. Oh no, yeah, yeah. There's like a new like a new thing coming in there, and similar to the room, how uh, exactly the same with that. Mm. You'll point out new things every time you watch it. This. You'll do exactly the same with this. And I imagine if we sat down and watched it again, we'd see even more yeah. incredibly weird stuff occurring mm. in there. Right. Well, I think that about wraps up the episode. So thank you very much for uh, joining me today. No, it's my pleasure. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you very much for inviting me. It was very entertaining watching that film. Yep. I'm going to go wash my eyes out with bleach. Good, good. Soon so. And I'm going to go eat hot dogs. Fantastic. <laughs> okay. And... Thank you all very much for listening, and please join me Monday when we shall be looking at Tale of the Mummy, starring the excellent Christopher Lee. See you then! Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.